morning. I expected that one to be a little weak this morning. <laughs> Some of us, I think, uh, stayed up to see the new year. Others uh, were forced to bring in the new year because our neighbors were making a loud noise around us. But uh, we're delighted that you're here. Happy New Year to you. And I pray that whatever time that we have will uh, be live to his glory and uh, that we'll grow closer and closer to him as we draw closer and closer uh, to one another. Marlo's at home. I just wanted Blaine to shout that when he got up here, but I'm, we're so thrilled that Marlo is home. So let's continue to pray uh, for that sweet little girl and her great parents. Some of you, as I have watched this segment on ESPN, uh, you had one job one job and they show video clips where someone who had one job uh, just failed to do it that that segment came to my mind as I was preparing for this lesson so I googled it and I found an article of the 50th funniest examples of you had one job fails this is on boardpanda.com and I'm going to share a few of those this morning here's the first one if you look at it closely it looks like it would be quite fun descending from one floor to the next as you would more likely slide than stepped down because the steps are underneath. You had one job. Somebody <laughs> missed that one. Here's another one. Captain America. You may not have known it's Mario. Uh, <laughs> and for some gamers, that may be, that may be true. Uh, you, someone had one job to prepare a sign, and I don't know how to interpret that one. Whether you, it's probably best not in that area not to do either. No smoking nor swimming. I love this sign. I scream, I scream. I have heard the phrase, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. I don't know if that's where th that saying originated, but I love that sign. Somebody messed it up, though. I love this one. This is my last one. It's, an, it's a feat of engineering. I want to see how that fan works when, it, when they turn it on, but perhaps it's, the fan wasn't functional anymore. I just don't know, but somebody had a job and, and just didn't do well. I thought of that because uh, I've done a study I want to share with you about John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had one job. And he did not fail. He succeeded um, in a powerful, powerful way. So let's focus on his one job. And namely, that was to prepare the way for Jesus. So look with me as we... It'll primarily be in John chapter 1 and then a text in John chapter 3. So if you'd like to look up those passages, that's where we'll be. Notice how John is described in, in these passages. Number one, he's described as a lamp, as a lamp. John was referred to as this by Jesus himself in John 5.35. He said, uh, Jesus said of John the Baptist, he was the burning and shining lamp and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. He was a lamp, but notice that John was not trying to call attention to himself. He was trying to call attention to someone else. John chapter 1, verse 6. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. So you put it together. John was a lamp that illuminated the way to Jesus, the light of, of the world. Secondly, John was a voice. John was a voice. On one occasion, the Jews sent a delegation of priests and Levites to inquire about John. John was gaining a lot of attention. Uh, he was a fiery preacher, and he, he, uh, he dressed uniquely. Camel's hair, had a unique diet, ate locusts. But I think it was primarily his fiery preaching that caused most of Judea to come out to hear him out in the desert. And so they sent a delegation to ask, who are you? John responded, I am not the Christ, the Christ, the, the Messiah, the anointed one. He was always saying, I'm not the Christ. Are you Elijah then, they asked. I am not, he responded. Ba this was based on a prophecy in Malachi 4 verse 5, which reads, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so many Jews believe that Elijah would come back from the dead and prepare the way for, for the Messiah. Jesus, by the way, would say John the Baptist did fulfill that prophecy. But John was quick to point out, I am not Elijah incarnate. They asked then, are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And this was based on passages such as Deuteronomy 18, 15, when Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And so from that day on, this was back in Deuteronomy, this is before they entered into the promised land, they were looking for that prophet like unto Moses, like unto them, the one that they should listen to. So they asked John, Are you that prophet? And John again replied, no. Well, then who are you? What, do you? what do you say about yourself? And here's John's answer. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. The imagery that John uses here was used uh, when a king was about to visit a province or a conqueror was about to visit the land in which he had conquered, the roads were, would be smoothed and straightened out and put in order. John says, that's my mission, to prepare the way for the king. But I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And just that idea of voice, it's almost faceless, isn't it? And again, it's, it's John just fulfilling his role, not wanting to call attention to himself, but wanting to call attention to someone greater than he. He was a voice announcing the coming of King Jesus. Number three, John was a prophet. John was a prophet. In John 1, 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And those Jews who would hear that would likely think about the Passover lamb, by whose blood the, that Passover lamb put on the doorposts and lentil, lentils of their, of their ancestors protected them from that 
final plague, the death of the firstborn. And now John is saying of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. A little bit further down, verse 35, The next day John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And watch this, verse 37, The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I've told you before, I have a note in my Bible, in the margin, that's good preaching. They heard John speak about Jesus, and they began to follow Jesus. May all preaching do that very thing. Once, we, once again, and this is uh, William Barclay's comments, once again we see John the Baptist pointing beyond himself. He must have known very well that to speak to the disciples about Jesus like that was to invite them to leave him and transfer their loyalty to this new and greater teacher. And yet he did it. There was no jealousy in John. He had come to attach men not to himself but to Christ. There's no harder task than to take the second place when once the first place was enjoyed. But as soon as Jesus emerged on the scene, John never had any other thought than to send men to him. He was a prophet pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Number four, John was a witness. John was a witness. Summing up his testimony as to the deity of Christ, this is in verse 34. John says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. It's the language of a courtroom. And John is placing himself on the witness stand. Here is my testimony. He is, Jesus is, the Son of God. And he understood this by divine revelation and by divine confirmation. Because John had been told by the Lord. He said, He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John was told, When you see this happen, this is the one. This is the Messiah. This, one, this is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus' baptism? What happened? John, Jesus, and Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending as like a dove upon Jesus. And he heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold my Son, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So he saw, he saw something that, that uh, was, was unforgettable. The Spirit descending like a dove upon Jesus. And then he heard this no doubt a booming voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. There was divine confirmation. John, this is Jesus. This is my son. Listen to him. And so John 1.32, John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. So John was a witness testifying that Jesus is the son of God. Let's go to John chapter 3 for one more. John was the best man. John was the best man. And he's not called that in, in this text, but notice this text with me. Beginning of verse 26 of John 3. Some of John's disciples came to him saying, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified... 
Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And I'm thinking that John's disciples are expecting a negative uh, reaction from Jesus. Or, or, or from, from, from John, excuse me. They must have expected John to resent this intrusion, maybe to feel injured or neglected or forgotten. But that's not the case with John. Watch what he says in response. He answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Now watch this imagery in verse 29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. It's helpful to know some about uh, the weddings and the way the Jews would do it. And the role of the friend of the bridegroom, or shashbin is, is the Jewish term. The shashbin was, um, he was, he was the liaison between the bride and the bridegroom. He arranged the wedding. He took out the invitations. He presided at the wedding feast. And he had one important duty above all. It was his duty to guard the bridal chamber and to let no false lover in. And he would open the door only when in the dark he heard the bridegroom's voice and recognized it. And when he, had heard, when he heard the bridegroom's voice, he let him in and went away rejoicing for his task was completed and the bride and groom were together. I call him the best man. And so John was saying, I'm the shoshbin. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And now the bride has been, been united with, with the bridegroom. In other words, Jesus had come, and, and those who would submit their lives to him, even today, are the bride of Christ. And so his mission is accomplished, and so he can go away rejoicing. He was the best man who welcomed the bridegroom. Now, this next statement is one that we're highlighting today and throughout this year. John says, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. I hope you saw it on the sign that Tucker created as you walked in. And you're going to see other posters uh, throughout the building with this theme of, that is based on, on this and other texts. He must increase, but I must decrease. Our theme verse, this is our theme verse for 2023, uh, as reflected on our t-shirt design. And hope you, hope you ordered one. They should be in uh, very, very soon. He must increase, but I must decrease. Our theme for this year. And so, um, Ricky and others, uh, Blaine, I think, designed it on the computer. Our theme is less of me in 23 less of me in 23 more of Jesus but less of me in 23 you see John's mission was to prepare the way for the Christ 
He claimed no greatness, no place for himself. He was the only, he was only the man who, as it were, drew back the curtain and let Jesus have center stage. And folk, folks, I think John's mission is ours. That we be the curtain, we be the ones who draw back the curtain and allow Jesus to be center stage. There's two applications I want us to make uh, from, from this lesson today. Number one, it's a lesson from John about humility. And John seems to embody this statement, it's not about me. It's not about me. No, I'm not the Christ. No, I'm not Elijah. No, I'm not the prophet. I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. It's not about me. His life was all about preparing the way for Jesus. Folks, our lives need to be all about preparing the way for Jesus and to the com coming of Jesus into the hearts of those around us. And we should have that same mindset. It's not about me. It is about Jesus. And how that impacts us personally is, as we recognize it's not about me, what we're dealing with is our number one problem. Our number one problem is self. Is self. Lord willing, first uh, week in February, we'll resume spiritual enrichment. It's been a few years since we've had spiritual enrichment, the spiritual enrichment series. Regency Church is hosting it, and again, we're hoping that all area congregations will come and be a part of it. And uh, there's this, one of our, our keynote speaker for Sunday night is a man named Joe, Joe Brumfield. I don't know him, uh, but I've heard good things about him. And he was asked about what topic he thought might be appropriate for the theme, which is overcomers. What are some things we must overcome? Or what are things that God has helped us to overcome so that we can be overcomers? His topic that he chose was this, overcoming self. Overcoming self. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought, that's it. That's really it. Because our greatest problem is self. That's why Jesus would say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But so many times our focus can get on, on ourselves. But John says, it's not about me. And we need to learn from John, it's not about me. In fact, folks, if self is the center of your universe, you're off center. Because Jesus needs to be the center of our universe. It was for John. It needs to be the same for us. So we learn from John humility. It's not about me. But we also learn from John identity and mission. Identity and mission. May others see Jesus in and through us. That's what John wanted. He was a voice. He was a lamp. But he was illuminating the way to the light of the world. He was the voice saying, here comes King Jesus. Again, he was putting the spotlight, not on himself, but on Jesus. That defined him, John, and it also defined his mission. Folks, our mission is really the same. Let me point out one more imagery that John uses to describe how he felt about 
his task of preparing the way for Jesus. John 1.27, it is he who, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. You're aware that they wore sandals in Jesus' day, in Jesus' earthly ministry. Here's something about this unloosing the sandal of someone else that uh, I found interesting. John was acknowledging the superiority of Jesus and saying, he's the one whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. I was interested to learn that John could not have cited a more menial task than this. To untie the straps of sandals was the work of the lowest slave. There was a rabbinic saying which said that as a disciple might do anything for his master that a servant did except one. And that was to untie his sandals. That task, that menial task, was reserved for the lowest slave. But what does John say about Jesus? I'm not a, even worthy to untie his shoes. The lowest task of a servant, of a slave. John is essentially saying, one is coming whose slave I am not fit to be. He extolled the greatness of Jesus. And so he fulfilled his mission. He didn't fail his one job. He fulfilled it supremely. He knew who he was and what he was supposed to do. May our identity and our mission be wrapped up in who Jesus is. And again, may Jesus see, may others see Jesus in and through us. He fulfilled, John fulfilled his mission to magnify Christ with his life and with his ministry. And here is our charge. May we take up his mission, John's mission, and with our mouths and with the manner of our lives, may we magnify Christ. May we magnify Christ. Less of me in 23. Let's embrace that and embody it and allow and pray that God will use us to help others see Jesus more clearly. One of the things that John said of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And that, would be, that was Jesus' mission, to come to this earth, to live among us, to identify with us, and, and help us to understand that he can identify with us, and then to be our perfect representative. And though he was sinless, Go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. If you've never embraced that salvation that he made possible, why not today, the first day of 2023? Why not confess your faith, having turned from sin and repentance, and be baptized into Christ so that you can begin this new year as a child of God, ready to live less of me more of Jesus in 2023. If you need the prayers of the church or if you're subject to the invitation of Jesus, please come right now as we stand and sing.